this is the in focus podcast from the hindu This is the Hindu's In Focus podcast. I'm Sohasini Heather, the diplomatic editor. We're discussing today the India-Pakistan agreement for a ceasefire or a reobservance of the 2003 ceasefire. Was it a surprise? Is there something still going on behind the scenes? And should we expect more? With me, two very special guests. TCA Raghavan is the director of the Indian Council for World Affairs ICWA is a former high commissioner to Pakistan as well and was posted there uh, when Prime Minister Modi made that visit to Lahore also with me Professor Happy Mon Jacob of the Jawaharlal Nehru University he has two books particularly on the line of control uh, the line of control and one called the line on fire and he's going to tell us about the next book he's working on as well in just a bit but i'd like to start with you ambassador raghavan uh, and ask you that question you know in your book people like us that deals with pakistan you've spoken about how all uh, such initiatives between india and pakistan come as a surprise they come all of a sudden uh, and they change the landscape in a sense do you think that the dgmos agreement because right now it is still just an agreement between dgmos uh, to cease fire is different from what we've seen in the past well it is an important uh, development uh, especially because it follows on a period in which there has been so much tension and uh, certainly the line of control has seen a great deal of tactical uh, action so it is an important uh, development but we have to wait and see when we try to rank in in terms of other landmark developments in the history of india pakistan relations whether it is a tactical arrangement which has been reached because it was convenient to both sides to do so at this stage or whether it is only the beginning of a major political initiative uh, we don't know uh, as yet either possibility is uh, uh, possible right um professor jacob uh, if we were to assume as ambassador raghavan said that this is in fact a tactical move what is actually prompted it of obviously ceasefire violations bringing down the temperature the line of control bringing down the number of casualties is what the army is saying is the reason behind this move how bad did it get i think it was pretty bad um you know if you actually look at uh, the data on ceasefire violations you will see that in 2020 um you had about 5133 violations now remember each violation could be tens of thousands of shots by any kind of uh, um, any kind of weapon uh, and this is only matched by the um ceasefire violations in the year 2002 when you had 5767 violations which means um it, this is this is perhaps uh, the highest in the last 19 years and in fact, if you look at uh, the data on um, uh, almost every other indicator uh, within Kashmir, from um, you know civilians killed to Kashmiri youth joining militant groups, you're looking at an uptick in all um, sorts of violence. So there, there is clearly um, uh, the the 
um, uh, violence as a major reason for the two sides have come together to talk to each other. This is not really, Zuhasni, if I may point out, uh, not unprecedented because if you look at the 2003 uh, ceasefire agreement, which is of course a reiteration of the 1972 uh, Shimla agreement, um, you would see that uh, the 2003 November ceasefire agreement came at the end of a uh, a bloody period between India and Pakistan. You had the 1998 um, 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 nuclear test, 99 Kargil war, 2001-01-02 Parakram, and then you had several uh, attacks to, during 2002 and 2003. And in uh, mid-2003 or so, uh, the ISI chief and uh, the RNW chief started uh, some discrete negotiations. And then uh, Prime Minister Jamali uh, announced a uh, unilateral ceasefire and the two DGMOs uh, on their on the, during their phone conversation confirmed it. So, so even the 2003 um, agreement came at the end of a bloody period, um, as is the 2021. Um, so the 2020 agreement, of course, is a uh, joint written statement um, reiterating the uh, earlier 2003 uh, ceasefire agreement. You have had several declarations in the past, for example, in 2018, in June and in um, August 2018, you had uh, statements from the MOD um, saying that, um, you know, we have had discussions with the Pakistani side and we, we are going to respect uh, ceasefire, um, et cetera, et cetera. But that was neither a joint statement uh, nor was a specific date identified uh, for the resumption of the uh, ceasefire. So to that extent, I think this is uh, really path-breaking and, and an important one in, say, um, over 18 years or so. Interesting that you are pointing out why this, uh, even the state, the fact that it is a joint statement, uh, the fact that there's this announcement, which we have not seen in the last few uh, times between DGMOs, that on the midnight of 24th February, we are going to cease uh, fire. It's almost like the 2003 ceasefire uh, 2.0, if you like. So, Ambassador Raghavan, I do want to ask as a diplomat, can this kind of a joint statement, in fact, be the work of just the DGMOs or would there need to be some kind of political, some kind of diplomatic exchange as well? well there are reports that, uh, press reports, I should add, uh, that the national security advisors uh, had been in touch for some time. Uh, I don't know. The facts are not uh, in the public uh, domain. but with uh, political uh, uh, signal to both DGMOs, uh, such an agreement is easily reached between the two uh, militaries. Uh, it is possible that such a political signal may have come even without high other high-level contacts because officers of the military operations branch of both militaries uh, speak to each other uh, every week. Uh, and if there is a similar kind of thinking on both sides over the course of several conversations, it would have been possible for either side to decipher that uh, both are in fact on the same wavelength and want to see an end to these tactical skirmishes on the line of control. So again, it is possible that there were uh, secret talks at higher levels, but it is equally likely or equally possible that uh, the DGMOs itself could have been the conduit whereby these uh, messages were sent to higher political authorities. Right. And, and for our listeners, we should explain that in the DGMO me mechanism, actually um, at the line of control, the, the operational, the, uh, the officers there uh, do speak every Tuesday to each other, but the DGMOs 
will only speak if one side specifically demands it. Sources have been saying that it was Pakistan that asked for this particular uh, conversation between the DGMOs. But I do want to um, uh, explore the idea a little bit more off this back channel. As you said, uh, two national dailies today, at least two national dailies, uh, the Hindustan Times as well as Indian Express have uh, reported not only that there's been a back channel with the National Security Advisor, that there's a back channel uh, to uh, not just uh, the Prime Minister of Pakistan, Special Assistant on National Security, but also the Army Chief, uh, General Bajwa. Uh, and it could have been going on for several months. We've had back channels before Ambassador Raghavan, but is this the first time we're seeing the actual players playing the back channel when it comes to the army chief on one side and the NSA on the other, both real powerhouses in their respective structures? Well, I would imagine a decision like this uh, in both both countries uh, would have uh, involved uh, a considerable amount of interagency discussion and uh, consensus. So, So whether... We were speaking both to the Pakistani military chief or to the prime minister. Uh, the two certainly would have been uh, on uh, in touch on this uh, uh, in this issue. I think uh, uh, in the past also, while we may have the impression that we were in touch only with one set of uh, uh, actors, uh, where India-Pakistan relations are concerned, it is often the case. Uh, that all the actors in Pakistan are also in touch with each other. Now, frequently that has, uh, in fact, not played according to script at times when there is major civil-military imbalance uh, in Pakistan. And then, uh, as it uh, has happened in the past, uh, such initiatives have not made that much uh, progress. In this context, I would imagine that all the actors in Pakistan were in fact, in touch on this issue and had agreed amongst themselves that this is a sensible uh, line to take. Right. And, and Professor Jacob, does that fact actually change uh, the nature, the sustainability of this particular uh, set of talks? Uh, you're working on a book about the previous back channels. And then from 2015 to 2017, we saw uh, Mr. Doval actually engaging the Pakistani Uh, his Pakistani counterpart, who was actually a national security advisor specifically uh, appointed for this role, uh, Nasir Janjwa, uh, and he met him in Bangkok on two occasions, was in touch quite quite frequently. Do you think this particular back channel, if it exists, and I should add over here that it has not been denied uh, on the Indian side, despite the fact that uh, these national dailies have reported on the back channel. On the Pakistani side, the special assistant to the prime minister has denied that he was part of the back channel uh, as well. Uh, but he has not spoken about the fact that whether there was a back channel at all or not. It's widely believed, of course, that a lot of coordination behind the scenes has been taking place. Uh, so do you think this kind of a back channel has a greater chance of sustainability? I think so. I think uh, looking at the um, history of India-Pakistan general relations in general and uh, uh, the history of back channels uh, between the two sides, I'm a great believer um, in the in the whole phenomenon of uh, back channel. I mean, they have they have managed to um, uh, you know lead to a lot of positive outcome in the past. I mean, um, as you know, 
from 2000, um, even the 2003 agreement, uh, ceasefire agreement, was a result of the back channel between the two, um, um, you know, uh, intelligence chiefs. Uh, and then, and in 2004, um, you had the Kashmir uh, conversations between, on our side, Ambassador Lamba and um, several interlocutors on the um, Pakistani side, in particular Tariq Aziz. Um, and then in, uh, in 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 2008, when the PPP government came to power. Uh, they appointed Shariar Khan as the interlocutor from the Pakistani side in 2011. Uh, you're looking at, um, 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 sorry, uh, Riyaz Mohammad Khan was appointed by the PPP government and later on Shariar Khan uh, gets appointed as, as, as the back channel. So, you know, um, uh, and, and they have always had very, very constructive uh, uh, negotiations and discussions. And uh, even if sometimes uh, these have not led to any concrete outcome. So, um, so therefore, I don't think this kind of a, uh, and I'm, I'm looking at the text of the joint statement, uh, and I'm comparing it to the uh, past statements by the Indian uh, um, uh, Ministry of Defense and the Pakistani Ministry of Defense. And I don't think this kind of a joint statement with specifying a date could be a, a result purely of the DGMO conversations. This had to have um, some high level uh, imprimatur. Uh, and, 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 and not just, I think, uh, in, a, in a situation like this, which is a very vitiated bilateral situation, uh, you cannot just have one side deciding, all right, let's go ahead and uh, propose a ceasefire. It had to have uh, a certain amount of, uh, you know, back channel uh, conversation and 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 parlays, um, and I think this is and and then looking again at uh, the uh, highly toxic uh, media environment uh, and, and 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 you know, and I don't include the Hindu of course in that uh, that we have today. Um, you know, for any negotiation to survive, I think there has to have some pre there have there there will have to be some pre negotiations, uh, and and without those pre negotiations, any attempt at uh, uh, building trust and peace between the two sides could potentially run into roadblocks uh, thanks to the frenzy that exists on, on both sides. Right. And as you pointed out, there will always be spoilers uh, on either side. Um, uh, Ambassador Raghavan, it's not just a normal year on the line of control, if you like, after which we are seeing these kind of talks. Obviously, the ceasefire violations have been highest, as Professor Jacob said, in possibly in nearly two decades. Um, but we've also seen something else, which is the standoff between India and China at the line of actual control. Uh, this disengagement at the LAC is still underway when we have this announcement of the DGMO's uh, ceasefire agreement. Given the kind of um, uh, the kind of fears there have been over the last few months of India's need to prepare for a two-front situation. The Army Chief General Naravani, in fact, spoke about that, the collusive nature of China and Pakistan right now. Do you think that these two disengagements, if you like, are also connected? Well, it's very difficult to say. My gut feeling, prima facie, is that the two are not connected. Uh, because uh, while uh, there has been a great deal of discussion about uh, uh, Pakistan and China acting in concert in recent months and in the past two or three years. In fact, this is not a new phenomenon. Pakistan and China have acted in concert at certain times for decades. But despite that, where it comes to the dynamics on the LOC and the line of actual control, uh, at a day-to-day -day and at a tactical level, these two dynamics are by and large uh, uh, independent of uh, each other. There is, of course, a certain strategic uh, convergence uh, and there are certain uh, risks as far as India is concerned of one dynamic 
uh, affecting uh, the other. But uh, be that as it may, uh, in actual fact, these two dynamics have independently uh, operated uh, so far. So I don't see these two uh, developments as being directly uh, related. And, uh, and certainly, I don't think the two are directly uh, deductive. Professor Jacob? I, I tend to sort of agree with Ambassador Raghavan here. I don't think the two are related in the, if, if, the, um, if the argument is that uh, uh, it was sort of a package deal, as it were, um, that, that sort of you stabilize relations with China on the, on the Eastern Front and uh, uh, with Pakistan on the, on the Northern and Western Front. If, if that's the argument, I don't think that's that, there, there is a uh, connection in that sense. But what I do think um, um, is a fact is that uh, there exists a certain dilemma in the Indian strategy community today about a two-front situation. Um, and, and given that, uh, um, you know, reality uh, or say perception of a certain uh, of, uh, reality out there, um, it, it would only be um, uh, sensible for the decision makers to have decided that, hey, we should sort of perhaps uh, um, ease uh, one of the two fronts. And they went ahead with uh, the, uh, if, 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 if you had the pre-negotiations in place, that had to happen, um, um, that, that should have happened even before the disengagement with the Chinese. So which means they went ahead with the, uh, with the Pakistanis first. And then, of course, the disengagement uh, with, with the Chinese happened. So if I were to then uh, uh, put, put that in the form of an argument, I would say the government of India perhaps decided to um, 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 make sure that uh, at least one front is diffused and that front perhaps was Pakistan. Uh, and then, of course, China um, um, negotiations with China happened and, and that, that front also got diffused, at least for the time being. All right. Both of you seem to agree that this is essentially a bilateral uh, effort between the two countries. Ambassador Raghavan, there is a context to what we have seen in the last few months. After all, we are coming out of a period where um, uh, one should never actually speak in superlatives when it comes to India-Pakistan, but one of the worst periods in India-Pakistan uh, ties. We don't have political contact. We don't have high commissioners in each other's countries. We don't have people-to-people uh, -people ties of any note. Uh, we have no cultural exchanges. We have no sporting ties. Trade has been uh, cancelled uh, by Pakistan at uh, the Wagha border, but before that, even LOC trade had also been uh, uh, had also been stopped from the Indian side. Uh, so we were looking at a place where really there were very few channels of communication between the two, except of course the two high commissions in both countries. But even those had been cut down quite uh, uh, drastically. So the question is, uh, when we have seen compared to that in the last month, we saw something else. We saw General Bajwa give a speech where he uh, to the mil military academy where he spoke about talks with India. Uh, we saw India give uh, Imran Khan the, the airspace rights uh, to fly to Sri Lanka. When he went to Sri Lanka, the Pakistani prime minister spoke about how India and Pakistan have only one uh, issue between them, and that is Kashmir, and it can only be resolved through dialogue. These seemed like positive statements in the run-up. We saw other things like Pakistan agreeing to all of Prime Minister Modi's proposals when it came to uh, a SARC uh, conference, a small conclave on on uh, dealing with COVID. Uh, we've seen India's own, uh, the Ministry of External Affairs' reactions have been nowhere near as sharp 
in the last month as we've seen in the past despite the fact that pakistan celebrated or marked what it calls a kashmir day and and had some very sharp statements over there now we're seeing a general reduction in the kind of uh, in the volume if you like of uh, the 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 allegations and counter allegations between the two so my question is when you're looking at that kind of a scenario being set up do you think uh, that in fact both sides will need to climb down further will they need to now take this further to the uh, to uh, perhaps to uh, some kind of talks um, what is it that you now see as the next scenario well in retrospect uh, it is uh, possible to decipher this linear pattern of uh, both sides easing it uh, a little but this is only in retrospect and you're saying hindsight is 2020 but it may not actually have been so well planned always have a certain space and autonomy uh, of their own but looking ahead well there are so many things to be uh, done because we are really low we are at a very low plateau so there are a number of things one of them you mentioned which is about uh, having uh, ambassadorial level uh, links uh, again so and there are any number of other uh, options i would imagine that both sides would uh, uh, move forward with uh, some amount of care because each carries uh, a great amount of baggage uh, of uh, strategic uh, mistrust and past uh, failures but certainly one area where there is quite a enormous opportunity uh, and very few and very little baggage Uh, is in this uh, area of public health and uh, dealing with the after effects or with the effects of the uh, pandemic and i think that is one one area where in terms of expanding links between scientists and public health experts and doctors could well be the platform uh, for a gradual very slow but broader normalization of course there are many other fronts the 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 trade aspect you mentioned the people to people contact uh, aspect you uh, mentioned and all of these had come to a halt much before the pandemic but the pandemic has acted as a dampener on these fronts uh, uh, not just with pakistan but with a number of other countries as far as india is uh, uh, concerned so when rebuilding uh, begins possibly it will be part of this general post pandemic rebuilding Uh, as will take place with many other countries but i think there is a window of opportunity on the public health uh, front and as i said it may well provide a platform for moving ahead uh, without having to uh, walk as if one is going through a minefield do you think that the sark process that led to these health initiatives if you like still has a chance or is it really a process that has died now well, there is the sark process but there is also this other process in which pakistan uh, had also participated as you uh, said so each of them there is also bilateral possibilities uh, with regards uh, between india and pakistan uh, directly but certainly i think these desecuritized uh, uh, areas uh, because these have no implications for other aspects of india pakistan uh, relations Right. Uh, unlike uh, many other areas where 
there is a great deal of substantive work which India and Pakistan can do together, but it's very difficult to move because it touches on one on the other, uh, one on the other's prickliness with regard to territorial issues or uh, constitutional issues. Right. Public health has no such uh, fallout for general India-Pakistan relations. Clearly, Prime Minister Modi has also uh, left his inhibitions when he talks about health. He's had two of these uh, SARC-level uh, conferences uh, on the subject. Uh, Ambassador Raghavan, the reaction the day after to the announcement of the uh, of the ceasefire agreement by the DGMOs has been one of skepticism. In Delhi, the question is, how has Delhi given up its uh, long-formulated uh, uh, motto that until terrorism ends, there can be no talks with Pakistan? In Pakistan, the question is uh, that just a month ago, Imran Khan, the prime minister, had said there can be no talks with India unless the autonomous status of Jammu and Kashmir is restored. Given how many times you have seen a new initiative between the two countries, are you surprised? No, I'm not surprised because every major initiative has been accompanied by naysayers on both uh, sides who hold up past uh, past positions and past statements as a kind of criteria for uh, for questioning the timing and rationale uh, of a particular initiative. But so this kind of reaction from some people is expected and it has often been the case in the past. But I don't think these uh, negative reactions uh, actually, uh, actually act as substantive factors in holding up uh, progress because by and large if you see the opinion in both countries both see it as a sensible move and a way to get uh, ahead uh, historically india pakistan relations have gone through a, a cycle where uh, the downsides will always follow from a period of uh, progress in uh, relations the challenge always is how do you try to stabilize it and so that the downsides don't take you too deep down, uh, while the upsides also don't lead to too much uh, exuberance. And certainly uh, no. For, uh, uh, Professor Jacob, uh, the one place where there has been a sort of unequivocal welcome for uh, this move has been Jammu and Kashmir. Given what they have gone through in the last two years, uh, including the arrests, the clampdowns, the internet, uh, as well as the violence, uh, that uh, we have seen over the years over there, cross-border terrorism. What do you think this move could mean potentially for the people there? I think the jubilation in Kashmir is completely understandable, given, as you said, the um, um, the violence that the Kashmiris had uh, to go through um, in, the, in the last one year. Um, um, not just the restrictions um, on the Indian side, but also violence uh, promoted by the Pakistani side across the line of control, infiltrations, terrorist attacks, um, you know, they, they have been uh, spiking. Uh, the, so clearly, this is coming as a uh, major breather uh, for the Kashmiris, no doubt about that. But I think the bigger question uh, to my mind is whether uh, this piecemeal um, approach to um, contract resolution between India and Pakistan, which is the ceasefire agreement, uh, uh, whether the two sides will be able to uh, somehow treat this as um, a sui generis uh, sort of single track 
of engagement without really touching upon some of the other outstanding issues. For instance, uh, the trade um, across the line of control, uh, the um, um, the question of uh, the political dialogue on the Kashmir question itself, or the uh, trade between India and Pakistan on, uh, through Wagatari border. So um, um, my own my own feeling is that while, while I think it is important to sort of uh, go incremental and uh, you know approach one issue at a time, I don't think in the longer run uh, it would be possible for the two sides to sustain um, the calm and uh, peace on the line of control, which is no firing. Um, without progress on other issues, um, clearly there are there are uh, going to be also um, wild cards that would come into play. Um, you know the 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 um, non-state actors, quote unquote, uh, that exist in Pakistan, how they are going to um, react to it. Uh, the the Kashmiris themselves um, would some of them sort of uh, um, try and. Uh, um, uh, put roadblocks in the in the process of uh, uh, the 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 so the reconciliation that we are seeing at this point of time. So I so I think while for the moment it would be a good idea to look at it as as one piece and 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 sort of treat it delicately, it is important to address some of the other bigger issues as we as we uh, move ahead. Well, what you're saying is status quo on its own perhaps will not be sustainable. Uh, I'd like to thank both of you for joining us. Clearly, our guest today is saying that the future is full of possibilities for India-Pakistan ties, but the question is really whether they will be able to realize uh, that potential. Ambassador Raghavan, Professor Jacob, thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Hindus In Focus podcast. I'm Sahasani Heather. Thanks for listening in. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.